The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate world. the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Monday morning. I hope you had a great weekend, a great Lord's Day with the people of God, and got to hear the Word of God, so now we can obey the Word of God. If you'd like to check us out online, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com or sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, scroll down on the right side of the page, and you'll see we're streaming there live, second video down. Whoops, I get past it a little bit because the computer here is being taxed heavily. It's not the... Uh, it's not the beast I normally have, so we, we've got to do some work in sending that in. I told you about that last week. But you can see the faces made for radio, and uh, jump on that video, blow it up on your device, and then click on um, the icon there so you can join us in the chat. And then right above that is Bradley's show from Saturday. You can click on that, and uh, you can see him. He was 
doing a show for two hours there. Uh, be sure to check that out. And he'll be live at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com, right side of the page there. We're also on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there, and also on dlive.tv at Sons of, uh, The Sons of Liberty, as well as Twitch at Setting Brush Fires. And we're also on Roku at uh, Cutting Edge TV. And on Rumble, we're live over there on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live, all one word there, okay? So be sure and check us out on all those platforms. We also have a place right above where we're streaming live where you can sign up for our email newsletter. We don't rent your email, sell it, or spam it, so you get one email from us a day, including the morning show archive. So anything we talk about today will be in that. That'll have the video, that'll have the podcast, and, and also whatever you want to find, that'll be in that. Finally, if you would like to help us out, we never ask you for money. We just tell you, here's the way you can help us if you agree with our message and you want to support us in that. There's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that, make a one-time donation. Or if you'd like to partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty, that link is also at the top of the page. And our store is available with all kinds of products, great conversation starters, as well as equipping tools in there. And uh, this week we're highlighting the You Can Run Winter Caps. So... It's funny because the guys up north, they call them winter caps. I call this a toboggan. And I know a toboggan, some people associate with sledding. I get it. But since I was a little kid, these are called toboggans, okay? (laughs) But it's a winter cap. It's normally $10 this week only through Saturday at midnight. Put this in uh, in your shopping cart in the store. You get 25% off with the promo code WINTER2021. Winter 2021 promo code gets you $25 off of these. Get as many as you want. Get them, give us gifts, uh, share them with your family and things like that. And again, that deal is good through Saturday at midnight. Now, before uh, moving on here and bringing on our guest, just want to let you know of a couple of uh, articles we put out yesterday on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. One is from the great David Rizzolata, A Science of Behavior and Quest for Control. And I've told you, David's David's got this way. He's read the he's read the communist tactics. He's read the guys like G. Edward Griffin when we had him on. He says, if you want to know what they say, they tell you right out in the open. And uh, so David's one of those guys who does that, and he breaks it down very simply. He's very focused when he when he does that. And I encourage you highly to look at that. Also, if you guys didn't see those testimonies at the senators plan, uh, panel put on by Senator Ron Johnson. And the the variety of people, some had been injured, some had uh, relatives who had and loved ones who have been injured, or they've died. One guy had a son that had died from taking these shots. It's it's implicating the vac- these vaccine, quote-unquote, manufacturers in murder and injury. They know what's going on, and they continue to push it. I told you last week, or the week before, that Pfizer wouldn't even answer my question whether their community that's, you know, the alleged approval, right, isn't even on the U.S. market. You can't get it. If you get a Pfizer shot, you're getting. You're not getting a fully approved, not that that means anything, but you're not getting a fully approved shot. You're just not getting it. And then uh, one more, and then we'll bring in our guests. Learn from these men who have dealt with tyrants. Now, this is our friend Matt Trujella. I'm going to be doing a pre-record with him tomorrow, so we'll probably play that on Thursday. But uh, he's bringing men from all across the country. One of them is Paul Doerr. I told you about Paul Doerr coming in and helping counties defund the public education system. That's a that's a big deal. And then he's got guys from around the world, Romania and I forget the other, Austria, I think is the other one, 
guys who've had to deal with tyrants in their areas. There's preparedness. There's all kinds of things in that. And that conference is coming up in the end of the month. So be sure and check that out at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Now, with that said, we've got our guest on the line. And, you know, Bradley didn't make it with us on Friday. And since I've got this other computer, sorry, no Batman music today. <laughs> but he's with us this morning. And uh, good morning, Bradley. Good to see you, man. Yeah, thank you for Whoops. having me, Tim. What was that tollboggin you're talking about with the stocking caps? That's that's what we call them here in the state of Minnesota. Yes, I, I'm just giving you a little southern correction. It's a toboggan. <laughs> no, I, I, me and uh, me and your wife had that conversation when I first saw it. And she said it's a stocking cap. I said stockings sound like something a woman wears. You got a toboggan. That sounds manly. You know, it keeps your head warm. And these things do keep your head. In fact. You guys sent me one of the Sons of Liberty ones, and I just literally about, I had to pull it off. I was sweating so bad because it's so thick on your head, but it's, it's great when you're going outside, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I love them. As a matter of fact, even the design, um, I mean, which is based off of what we did in the high schools across the country, you can run, you cannot hide, which is based off of numbers 32, 23, that your sin will find you out. Well, that was the message that we were given across the country, and we still are, but yeah, cool hats. Matter of fact, we're thinking about doing another design, another run on those designs alone, because the people are asking for them. And I think, Tim, people need to understand that a lot of stuff that we're getting rid of here is uh, per demand, per request, uh, people giving us ideas. So we're not trying to make a, a, you know, a storehouse or a den of thieves out of what what it is that we're doing here in the ministry. They're great. They're great ways, as a matter of fact, to stir up conversation, spark up conversation when people ask, well, what does that mean? Or what is that all about? Um, that's why we do it. And um, that's the purpose of what we're doing when it comes to all that, that stocking cap wear and toboggans and t-shirts and dog tags and the gist. So I just wanted to make people aware of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, I would say you need to do this one. Amen. Put that gotta... put that on one, and I'll, I'll guarantee you that'll. In fact, take it from a toboggan to one of the skull caps. That's what I'll wear when when I'm off the show. I'll pull this off and I'll put the skull cap on because it keeps my head warm without me sweating so much inside. And the older yeah. I get, the colder I get. I, here's what I did. I titled the show today: "A City on a Hill or a Nation Turned into Hell." You you had a show last week uh, talking about this is what a nation turned into hell looks like. So I figured we'd go down that road. One of the things I wanted to do, I sent you this thing, and I just wanted people to see, because some of them have been in the Rumble channel, and they've seen this guy trolling in there. He's the last day's madness guy. He doesn't know the Bible. And I know that because, not only from his conversation in the chat, which I, I, this is why I stay out of the comment section for the most part. I just don't get in there. I get bogged down. But I did him a courtesy he didn't even do me. And he said he's never listened to a show past the intro and his hypocrisy of challenging me and my tongue-in-cheek, you know, welcome to everybody is 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 demonstrated in his uh, service to his political idol, Donald Trump, whom he never calls out for anything criminal that he's done, sinful, any of that. He never calls him out on it. He defends it. And he, he twists scripture to defend it. And so I found it ironic. He left a comment. He made a whole video. So I watched the video. I commented on it. It was, it was very taxing to listen to it because uh, he had nothing but ad hom. And there were a lot of things he said that were right. I'm not going to say he, that there weren't. But I want people to just see this is, this is how bad 
the research is from this guy. You're, you're, you're just going to love this. Check this out. I'm just going to play like a few seconds of it. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Jimmy Beckwith reporting here at End Times Prophecy News. We're going to do some Bible study, reproving and rebuking, as Paul says in 2 Timothy, of this man right here. He calls his station Sons of Liberty Radio Live. His name is actually Tim. Ooh, it's Tim. Okay, if you look closely <laughs> in the picture, you will see that he, uh, you know, has his arms are loaded Poison, with Poisoning the well right off the bat. Poisoning uh, the well, you know, wrong and, information. Uh, you know, it's it's absolutely start. incredible. And, 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 and this, is, this is something that I want, I want to go to, Bradley. And I, when you see that, obviously he hasn't done his homework. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he tells people in there, I've never watched a show. Yeah. And yet he's going to explain his ignorance here. And one of the things, you know, the, the Scripture says is there's a famine of the Word of God when, when uh, the nation is under judgment. And they'll heap to themselves teachers. You know, they've got itching ears. Please scratch my ears. Make me feel good about what it is. And this is a guy who believes he's going to be raptured from responsibility. He has yeah. bought into the entire dispensationalism thing. And to counter that, he thinks... Well, if I cite scripture that says dispensation, then you're the one who doesn't know. Well, I'd acknowledge there's dispensation, but not dispensationalism. But what do you make of guys who don't watch the show? They don't hear the message of the gospel, the call to repentance, uh, repentance towards God, faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. What do you make of guys like this? And then they get the, the guy wrong. I mean, obviously, you're prettier than I am, so he, he should know the difference here. Uh, but what do you make of guys like this doing things like this? I, I don't even cast my pearls before swine, Tim. I mean, it reminds me of what we've done across the country uh, over the last 23 years of ministry. And what I'm saying is the mainstream media has called me everything but what I am. They've accused me of everything but what I am. Uh, they can't get my name right because they don't ask questions. Uh, I'm, I'm a drummer. Uh, they called me the guitar player. Uh, they have to omit a one-minute show to try to put words in my mouth. Speaking of MSNBC, uh, news reporters, uh, they already have the narrative set, regardless if they know a thing that you actually said or not. But again, they don't ask you any questions. So when you look at a guy like this, Tim, I would take him for face value. Uh, I learned a long time ago that I got to put a camera up every time we do a live event because of running into people like this. He's already undone himself. So for the most part, I would move on. I would reprove him. I'd give him a warning the second time. I'd give him uh, um, more of an admonition, or should I say a warning the second time, admonition the first time. Um, and then the third time, I would just consider him a heretic and say, see you later. You're all on your own. And again, Tim, I would take that film, as a matter of fact, and upload it and keep it for yourself uh, just to show people that may come over to the site and ask questions, namely the questions that he never asked. But when you go to Second Peter 3.16, it says that they are unlearned and unstable. They rest. That means pervert, as they do other scriptures 
under their own destruction. So it's a given. You reap what you sow, and it's going to fall upon his own head. But again, for me, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to people like that because, if anything, they're drawing you a bigger crowd. So we appreciate those guys. Well, that's yeah, that's exactly what I told him when he put in the chat. He put the link there, and I said, thank you for promoting us because that's what he's going to do. Now, some people aren't going to come over, but some people are going to be curious to say, hmm, is what this guy's saying? So I even took some of our conversation and stuck it in the chat, in the context. So people would say, see, I addressed what he was in error about time and time and time and time again. But I did him the courtesy of going through and correcting even the biblical things that he was completely wrong on, and the hypocrisy. So we see a lot of that. I thought I'd throw that out. I, I kind of had fun, even though it was tedious to, to listen uh, to what he was saying, I, I kind of had a little fun in there in correcting that, and so I'm I'm done as far as he's done. He's been he's been answered many times, and you're exactly right. Uh, but that but my response was basically for those who would come behind who wouldn't know the difference, so they would see, hey, he's not giving you the full thing. You know, it's like the guy in Proverbs who comes and makes his case, and he sounds right until his neighbor comes along and challenges him. So let's let's start off with this. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now, there's been a lot of tossing around of the American dream, and that really comes from the Puritans. And the Puritans, their idea of the American dream was being able to live and function as to honor God in all areas of life, both the, the, the person, the family, the church, and the government. They wanted to, they wanted to be a city on a hill. They wanted to be, reflect the glory of God. And now that's been turned into, well, the American dream is a house and two cars. Well, that's completely upside down from where it should be. Um, we're, give us a little picture of where we came from, and I'm talking about even before Founding Fathers days, where we came from and to where we are today here in America. Okay, so be more specific about what you're asking me, Tom. Well, give people a little bit of history of who we are as a people. What is what has been our foundations uh, okay. long before we were ever constituted? What was our what was our foundations? What what was laid before us so that we that people understand exactly who we are as a people, whether we've abandoned and broken the covenant of that or not? Who we were in the beginning uh, when all this started? Yeah, well, I just got done reading the book of Deuteronomy. I just got done reading the book of Joshua, the book of Luke over the last probably week and a half. And when I when I look at that and I see the simplicity of it and seeing who we are today, uh, obviously I see what we have fallen from. We have wickedly departed from our God and the common sensities that he laid out for us. And basically what it is, is we're called to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, and we're to serve him. And if we really truly love him, the love of God, as it tells us in 1 John 2, is to keep his commandments. That is the demonstration of love. And we can't love our neighbors properly until first and foremost, we love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I'm thinking of uh, 1 John 5, 2, even now. But when you look at the foundations of our country, and Tim, we were even talking about Williamsburg uh, possibly going and hanging out because we haven't done that for three years because we're a thousand miles apart from each other. But when you go to Williamsburg, I mean, look at the history. Look at Jamestown. Uh, when you first, as a matter of fact, Jamestown is where the saints, not the pilgrims, by the way, 
uh, landed. And when they landed in Jamestown, it's interesting what they established there. They established a little fortress. And right when you walk in the door, you see the church and it has the Ten Commandments and it has Acts 238. Yep. Then you go to Williamsburg and you look at the history, even, even um, as what people would call liberals today, uneducated liberals, they have these recreation um, educators there. Uh, and they're dressed up like in the old times, so on and so forth. And they're telling you that we were established on canon law, uh, on the Torah. Uh, and I'm just blown away by all this. And it's absolutely outstanding because there's so much Christian heritage just on the East Coast. Then you go to Yorktown and then you see the statues erected to uh, our Christian president, George Washington. And then you begin to look at the foundations of who we are, what's been established, you know, the 3%, the 13 colonies. And and let's not forget about those uh, bad boys, the Black Robe Regiment, the preachers of the day who stand in uh, a contrast to what you're seeing today, 180 degrees. Oh, my goodness, were they bad boys. And I'm saying that in youth talk. They were some real deal Christians uh, that possessed the land, which means to drive out previous occupants. And then when you look at the state preambles, you look at the Statue of Liberty, you look at four references to God and the Declaration of Independence, you go to the Washington, D.C., you see Moses, you see the Ten Commandments on the Supreme Court justices, every state preamble acknowledging uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, going to Arlington Cemetery, you see the Christian crosses, you see God on our money. I mean, you just can't get away from him, nor do I want to get away from him. I want his fingerprints all over everything that I do, uh, and I see it all over the country. So I see what's happening here is that we're following on that straight and narrow to reestablish, to rebuild that which has been torn down. But there is no question as to who we are or where it is that we came from. And the problem, Tim, is no, most people don't know that. But hopefully I just gave you a bunch of answers, so now you do know that. Yeah, and in fact, it's kind of interesting. You've got guys today, they're running sort of, I guess, what you'd call mainstream. They call them mainstream, whatever. Uh, but they're trying. They're they're calling themselves the Black Robe Regiment, and I think Glenn Beck is among these guys. I, what do you make of those guys trying to re, trying to redo what our forefathers did? But many of them don't even have the foundation that our forefathers had. Well, no, and you're exactly right. It bo- to be honest with you, it bothers me, Tim. Uh, uh, we serve a jealous God, and if we're born of the Spirit, I'm jealous over the things that are Him. And the counterfeits, and we're called to make distinction. Ezekiel forty four twenty three tells us we're to make distinction between that's that which is holy and that which is defiled. There's a lot of counterfeits out there, and I don't mean to demean all of these modern day conservatives, but when those that call themselves the Black Robe Regiment take and rest perverse scripture at will, like the likes of a Glenn Beck, and again, Glenn's done a lot of good things, but if you look at his uh, his foundations, you're going to understand what the problem is right then and there. But that dude gets goofy. And when people start to call themselves something that I know is not true, I am going to reprove it, I'm going to correct it, and I'm going to instruct. And if they don't listen to it, I'm going to call them what they are. They're called heretics. But I'm very jealous over that. And I think the bottom line here is, Tim, is if people knew the Word of God, they would know for themselves what we're talking about even now. Yeah, I think so too. But sadly, that's yeah. that's not the case for many. That in, in fact, uh, when we saw this over the past what five years, 
because we had dealt with a usurper in the White House, Barack Hussein Obama, Sator Sabarka. He wasn't supposed to be there. We did. We found Christians, you know, self-professed Christians, saying this guy uh, is this, that, and the other. He's a traitor. He is all this stuff. But they never would bring justice. And, and you would think for a Christian, yeah, they understand mercy because they've been shown mercy. But but that's because God had granted them repentance, which is another thing this guy that played the first says, God doesn't do that. You do that on your own. Well, that sounds like Rome. That doesn't sound like the Bible. <laughs> so yeah. so you've got guys doing that. Then we Then we come up and we have a president who says he's never repented, never asked God for forgiveness, uh, promotes what God condemns, but he, but when he talks, he'll say all the things that people want to hear. And the and professed Christians, again, followed right along, gave support. Um, some called him out, and I've been very clear. There are, there's a difference in those who supported Trump and recognized his crimes and this, that, and the other, and they called that out. And those who are idolatrous, who just ignore it, or they don't want to talk about it because they're afraid the other guy is going to get the light or this, that, and the other— but we've seen this over, what, the past 10, 12 years, something like that, this transition like that back and forth, and I'm sure it's gone on decades before. And now we're, to, we're, the, we're with the guy, which you and I both said, people, though they outcast us for calling out Donald Trump, they'll be our friends in the Biden administration, which many of them came back to the fold and recognized Donald Trump was not what he, what he was. So what happens when these people are doing that you're constantly correcting them. And I know you're a guy of hope like I am. You believe that God brings victory. and uh, and But what do you do when the people have become so blind, hard-hearted, whatever the case is, that they think the answer is apart from the living and the true God? Well, you're sadly misled. I mean, when you look at the forefathers— their appeal was not to their favorite politician. Let me say that again. Their appeal was not to their favorite politician. Their appeal were, well, it was found on the flags that were flying, no king but King Jesus, and their appeal was to heaven, clearly. And we see that, and we know that from our forefathers. You know, I like to tell the story, Tim, of my children. I got five boys and uh, when they were little, we live out in a rural area out in the country. So we have farmers harvesting, plowing, planting, and not in that order. And uh, every spring I'd ask the kids, so what is it that the uh, farmers are planting? They say, well, we don't know, Dad, until the harvest comes in the fall time. Well, 244 years later, we can see the seeds that were planted by our forefathers because over 86% profess to be Christians. Now, mind you, less than 3% of that, and I'm giving it a higher ratio than I believe it deserves. But the fact of the matter is, uh, 86% of the people in this country profess to be Christians. How many pulpits in America? 300,000. I mean, it's just, it's incredible as to understand who we are and where it is that we came from. Again, there's no denying that in any sense of the word. But I just want to make clear that going back to what you originally said, Tim, hope, if you don't have hope, where is Christ? And let me tell you something, if there is no hope, it ain't the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're we're, we're talking about an eternal God here, an everlasting God. I had a conversation, speaking of which, yesterday, where I talked to a guy, just I had nothing to do with the conversation as to where it was leading, 
And it was just, you know, it's just a matter of time before the FBI comes and picks us up. I said, well, I'll give them my address if they want it. It doesn't mean it's all over with. Christianity isn't about me. It's about you. It's about this fight is about raising up our posterity and handing off the baton to them. And if we don't have hope, how dare us snuff out the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let me give this to you, Tim. First Corinthians 9, 10. I just read this yesterday. I'm in Corinthians right now. And it says, uh, or saith he altogether for our sakes, no doubt that it is written that he that ploweth us, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. But it's written that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partakers of his hope. And the bottom line is, is if I didn't have hope, I couldn't get up and do what I do every single day. And I also got to say this, when I look at the Word of God, I just read in the book of Joshua, where the Lord failed not one promise that he promised the children of Not one single word. And you know what's interesting? Now that we're on this topic, can anybody please take the time, all of you hopeless ones that call yourselves Christians, number one, what are you feeding on? And number two, can anybody show me in Scripture where the Lord ever failed a faithful man or a faithful woman of God in life or death? You can't find it, Tim. So what is this? The history of the churches, our backs are up against the wall. We cry out to God in our distress. He hears us and he answers us. And he is not a man that he should lie. So who is it that you're going to believe? Well, I'm going to put all of what I have, my heart, mind, soul, and strength, into that which is tested, tried, and true. And I'm not going to history. I'm going to go by example in my personal interaction with the Holy Ghost. And here it is. He is who he says he is. Period. Look at the miracles that God performed on the behalf of the church to him, and he's still willing to do the same thing. And what's interesting is they wonder why they get the results of the curse. It's because they trust in the arm of the flesh, Jeremiah 17, 5. But it also says, but blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. It says, cursed is the man that trusts in the arm of the flesh. So which one are you going to trust? I choose God. Amen. 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 You know, you you mentioned something out of Joshua, and he fulfilled all his promises. Now, this goes to <clears throat> the uh, guy I played at the first. This this is what I'm talking about, folks, about the this dispensational stuff and why it's so dangerous because it it is it is not biblical doctrine. These guys will tell you stuff, and let me jump off of what you're saying there. When when you quoted out of Joshua that God fulfilled all his promises, one of, you know today we hear oh. We're getting led over here to Israel, a, a false Israel. Now, it's a nation state. I don't have anything against the state itself. They establish wherever they want, whatever the case may be. But the fact of the matter is people try to teach people out of the Bible, say, well, that God's got to give them the land. He never gave them all the land. Nonsense. Nonsense. Listen to this. Joshua 21, verse 43. Listen to what God says about it. And the Lord gave unto Israel how much land? All the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And you know, Bradley, I have people all the time, when I read that text to them, this is God's word. They agree it's inspired by the Spirit of God. It's without error, all that. I read that to them, they go, but they didn't get all the land. And I said, well, then what is God talking about? And this is the distortion that comes in when people aren't sound in their doctrine. Oh, oh. 
Dude, I'm 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 all over I'm all over what you're saying because the first thing I'm thinking of is how did they possess the land? They loved God with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And and what is the fruit of that? As I said earlier, you keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments to keep and to do them. And by the way, that is the fruit of the Holy Ghost who comes to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I'm thinking of Ezekiel 36. I'm also thinking of John 16, 8. Uh, and it's also interesting that they would have never possessed the land had they not obeyed the Lord. And isn't it interesting as well, Tim, throughout the book of Joshua, starting after chapter 10, the Lord sees fit to teach us the inheritance that was given to those that were willing to fight. Now, let's take this over to America. We already got the possession, but after the possession was given and the Lord highlighted the inheritance to the tribes, isn't it also interesting that the Lord told them to take heed, that means to pay careful attention, to keep the commandments of the Lord. He said the same thing after as he did before, to remain in the land that they might live a long life and also give it over to their posterity. Most people fail to understand that they have to fight the good fight to get the possession and to maintain the possession. They think that they're just going to get it and they're not going to have to fight for it. Well, you better read scripture, folks, because that is false grace. That is a false grace. Common sense comes into play. And if we don't get on our game concerning the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6, 12, we're going to lose everything that we have. God has not changed He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we're either going to meet him on his terms and pick up the armor, Ephesians 6, 12, and fight the good fight, or all is gone for naught. And we're going to go down, by the way, Tim, as the greatest fools in history if we don't get this right. We truly are. Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting thing, too, because, you know, many people say, oh, you're you're nitpicking certain things, and you're, you know, you're wanting to push your religion. You want a theocracy. Uh, and, and I say, well, wait a minute. <clears throat> Every nation on the face of the earth is a theocracy. That's right. Whatever That's the God right. is of that society determines what the law is. If you're yeah. a humanist, <clears throat> you're going to have humanist law, which is going to flip, flounder, and everything else whenever it suits your, your needs to do so. If you're an Islamist, you've got Sharia. If you're a Christian, it should be biblical law. And again, this, this idea that's come in, they're referred to as dispensationalism, separates that out. It says, law, law, that's Old Testament. That's for the peop- that's for Old Testament Israel. But I don't see anywhere, I see everything in the New Testament reiterating the law of God. It's not to be destroyed. Jesus said he, he came to fulfill it, not to destroy it. And so without law, without law, Bradley, how can you give a gospel? You, you can't, you've got to diagnose the problem before you give them the, the cure, as it were. Uh, I know you agree with that. Oh, oh, my goodness. Listen, it's my understanding. The law shows me my sin before a just and a holy God, period. Romans 3.20. Why would I repent if I, and, and by the way, repenting before God's moral law brings about the knowledge as to who I'm sinning before. And the fact of the matter is, Charles Spurgeon said, if you lower the law, you dim the light by which man perceives his own guilt. Now, let me also add this, because there's a couple things I wanted to answer. Uh, Stephanie, my wife, her grandmother lived to be 98 years young. I could have a conversation with her all the way back to the Titanic, literally, and she was sharp as a whip. So one day, her dad 
was talking to me, and uh, he was basically an antinomist. He had no regard for God's moral law, and you can see it in their preaching. They preached out against the law. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Isaiah 42, 21, Psalm 40, verse 7, uh, going to the New Testament, which is a fulfilling of the Old Testament. Uh, I think of Hebrews 8, 7, 10, 7, Romans 3, 31, Matthew 5, think not that I come to destroy the law. I've come not to destroy, but to fulfill. I think about when the Lord continuously through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John used the law of God over and over again to drive them to the foot of the cross where it can do no more. The law condemns, grace justifies if I believe. Now, this is what I wanted to say about my wife's grandmother. So her dad was combating me concerning God's moral law. And they come from the hippie generation, by the way. And that's when all this came in, this lawlessness, right? And this false grace and this false fiend love. Uh, But what's interesting is um, we were talking about what was it that you used to hear when you go to the churches? uh, And she said, this is what she said, 98 years old. She said, up until 1962, it was always the law and the prophets. It was always the law and the prophets, and then it changed after that. Well, that's when the hippie generation came in. And look at the fruit of the hippie generation. They're lawless. Look at those kids that are out there protesting on the streets. Who are they? That's the fruit of that generation that the Lord warned us about over and over and over again. Common sense says, and by the way, so does natural law, and I'm speaking of natural law, not not biblical natural law, but when you look at natural law, we're still governed by rules and regulations, laws, right? And if we love our government, we're going to obey those laws, but let's also understand that the supremacy clause, Article 6, Section 2, is premised on common law. That's God's moral law. So you can talk about it in the spiritual, and you can talk about it in the natural first and foremost. But everybody's ruled by law, but not everybody's ruled by God. I choose God because that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, 2 Corinthians 3.17 and Psalm 33, verse 12. And the fact of the matter is what I just got done saying, there's nobody on this planet that can dispute the common sensity of what we just explained. Not a person. I agree. I agree. Uh, Brad, we got a, a question here from Joni. And, uh, you know, I've told, I've told people, look, God is not dependent upon the United States any more than he's dependent upon China or Russia to fulfill his purposes to glorify himself in the earth. He's not dependent upon nations to do that. Does he use nations? Yes, obviously he does. He, just like he uses individuals for his purposes. Sometimes that's judgment. Sometimes that's blessing. Uh, whatever the case may be. But she said, I've heard some say that the U.S. has to fall because it's in God's plan. Now, I don't see that in Scripture, uh, but she says, I don't believe it. Can you address that? Show me in Scripture what you're talking about. I mean, God God tells a, a people what they're to do. They inherit the promised land, and then the Lord turns around and says to them, you have to fall because it's a part of my plan. I, I, I can't find that. Um, can you give me scriptural reference for that? Because that's really scripturally basis, uh, or, or there's no basis to that question whatsoever. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure where, where Joni's come from. She had not give me a follow-up here. But uh, I have heard people, uh, and some of it gets into the cults, uh, the seven-day Adventists, and I'm not talking about Baptist seven-day Adventists and stuff like this. I'm talking about the, the, the cult that came out of the Millerites. 
that had given the false prophecy that Christ was going to return back in the 1800s. He didn't. They reformed. They had a woman leading them, which should have been a problem right off the bat, Ellen G. White. And, you know, they, they've come out and they've said, oh, America is found in the book of Revelation. It's one of the beasts that, that are, you know, destroyed. It's, uh, then some have come along and they've said, oh, it's Revelation 18. It's the Whore of Babylon and all this. And it's like, boy, you guys just ripped that stuff right out of the, the historical context of what's there in the first place. Uh, what does because, that generate, though, Tim? Do that what? Generate, what does that do? That generates more questions. Yes, it generates speculation is what it does more than pulling the word right. out. Like, you know, the, when the, let me say this. When the FBI detects counterfeits, they teach their agents to study the real ones, not the fake ones. And if we would spend time in the Word of God and knowing what His Word says, we're going to see a lot of these conversations just go to naught. It also shows you that many of those people that are caught up into those conversations, that they're not feeding on the bread of life. They're caught up into talking about new things like the Epicureans in the book of Acts. I don't have time for it. The bottom line is, the Bible says we're supposed to be sound in speech, that means without error. The Bible says that our conversation becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is hard to find. It reminds me of King David saying that I'm a companion of all them that fear the Lord and of them that keep thy precepts. Those guys are really hard to find because a lot of those guys that even claim to fear the Lord, their conversation is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what is the church talking about rather than, and and I'm talking about the American church, which is a lack of Christianity. What are they talking about? What's the new thing today? No, let's go back to the old past, Jeremiah 6.16, and get right and stick to his word because if he's all I've got and he's my heavenly father and he is my life, I'm his inheritance and he's mine, well then... That's what we all should be walking in is his presence in the light of his countenance. And that's all we should seek is his continual presence, just like that of King David. I have no time for a lot of that stuff. By the way, Tim, um, you know, and and for all those that are watching the show right now, I think it's uh, interesting to understand why a lot of people on my show don't call in and debate. Because that's not what our show is based off of. Our show is based off of, here's the problem, I'm going to give you the answer. Here's the problem, I'm going to give you the answer. If I open up my phone lines and I wasn't holding to the law and to the prophets, which is absolute, it is immutable, unchanging, and it is sound, guess what? I get people calling in all day giving me their opinion. We don't need man's opinion. If we want answers, then we better get back to the Lord's sound words that bring about absolute resolve. And the only way that we're going to get that is when we hold to sound doctrine, not the doctrines of men. And by the way, this is this is how all of this, just like you said, Tim, all the speculation starts to come into the mix, and then you start getting different denominations because it's different opinions of men. It's just like politics. 
You have unconstitutional parties, 101 of them. We're a constitutional republic ruled by law, not by party affiliations. Then you look at the church and what is there, about 1,100 denominations? And yet there's one God, one Lord, one Christ, one mediator, Ephesians 4. And everybody else is caught up into, well, I, I, I heard a preacher say this, and I heard another hireling say that. And I, I heard this guy raising more questions than he did soundness in the faith. Get away from those people. I'm going to tell you why you have that in the church today, because they don't know Christ. That's right. If you're part of the Spirit of God, there's going to be a soundness, and if there's air there, you're going to discern it, and he's going to pull you right back onto that straight and narrow. And the fact of the matter is we're either going to hold to him or we're going to hold to the heirs of men, and we're going to keep spending time on trying to fix everybody else. The best way to bring about resolve, Tim, you brought this up earlier, is follow the Christ. Just like uh, Paul said, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he was the one that said, follow me as I follow Christ, period. Where we leave Christ, don't follow, period. Because we're not looking for followers we're looking to make disciples. We're fishers of men, Matthew 4.19, period. And if you don't see Christ, if he doesn't change your life, I'll tell you what, then it's not the right Christ. And the fact of the matter is we need to get to him and hold to him in all things, Tim, at all times, in all places. Yep, I totally agree. Amen. The, um, there's, an, there's another part to this. Now, we talked about the city on the hill. That's kind of where we, where we started from. There's another part, uh, the, the book of Psalms tells us in, in chapter 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. And the Bible tells us that God cannot, cannot bless a nation or a land, a land of forgetfulness. We're, to, we're called Psalm 78 to, to teach that to our kids, to remind them of God's wonderful works, both in the past uh, that happened before us, that, that's written in the scripture, and also to remind them of how God has worked in our lives so that our God will be their God. We want we want our God to be their God. And uh, so in doing that, we had a guy who, he was a friend um, of the show, would promote it and this, that, and the other. And I got on the dispensational thing one time, and he just threw up his hands and says, I'm done. And he said, I've been trying to save America for 40 years. Well, you're not going to save it, friend, by yourself. That's just not going to happen. Uh, so I don't know where that mentality comes from. But he ended the conversation of saying, God damn America. And I go, wait a minute. Now, God can't bless us in the state we're in. That's for sure. That's for sure. But to sit there and pronounce a final judgment as a man, yeah. it, 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 it just reeks of that lack of hope. There's, I mean, even when you find Jesus writing to the seven churches in Revelation, what does he do? The first thing he does is he comes out and he tells them what he sees that they're doing right. So it's an encouragement to the church, keep doing what's right. And then he points out all the bad stuff that he does, that the churches are doing. And he says, okay, these bad things that you're doing, these things that are, that are, that are not right, you need to correct them. He calls them to repentance. And he says, if you overcome, that's through your repentance, through your testimony and, all, and, and the blood of the Lamb. If you do that, then I'll do this. And he's going to add more blessings onto them. Isn't this the same message the Sons of Liberty gives day in and day out? When we point out the bad that's going on in the country, we point it to Scripture, we show what it is, and then we give the solution to that, which is repentance towards God, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and by the way, the only way we can do that is by bringing up God's moral law to show you what sin is, 1 John 3, 4. And what is sin? The transgression of God's law. Let me say this. It tells us in Isaiah eight twenty. it says that if they speak not according to the law— 
into the testimony, it's because there's no light in them. That's right. Exactly right. It's the law that drove me to the foot of the cross. If there was no law, then let me ask you the question. How is it that you repented? Well, you say to yourself, well, I, I didn't really repent. Well, that's right, because there was no law to show you that your sin was before a just and a holy God, like Luke 15 concerning the prodigal son, who realized that he sinned before God and then his father. And the fact of the matter is, without that law, there is no knowledge of sin. Romans 4.15, or transgression is what it says there. But again, uh, Tim, I think the bottom line is, is if we hold to the word, just like I said earlier, when we hold to the word, everything else is going to manifest itself as to what people hold to. And I see it all the time. And by the way, I see professed Christians all the time. And, and let me tell you, in all sincerity, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, 4 and 5, that we're to examine ourselves every day to see whether we be in the faith. And let me remind you that it's not a man's place to say that you're saved and you're going to heaven. That's the job of the Holy Ghost That's to right. bear witness to the truth. You have someone telling people that you're saved because you said the prayer. You can almost count on it that you are not saved. Just like Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, once again said, those that walk around gloating in the fact that they're going to heaven, he said you can almost count on it that they're going to hell. Because they don't understand that this is a continual warfare. And through many trials and tribulations do we enter into that kingdom. But the fact of the matter is there's a persistence. There's a process of sanctification under the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ to establish. Um, and if I can make a big U-turn and come right back to what you originally said, the very th this ministry is predicated upon Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. What are you hearing from the pulpits today? They want the hand of God rather than the heart of God. Um, and I don't want that. Here it is. You're liberated when God is the beginning and the end of all things in your life. Whatever he adds to your life or takes away, that's okay. That's up to him to do so. But if we remove our hearts from him, you can rest assured, just like it tells us, as he was there to bless us, as he rejoiced over us to bless us, if we put an idol before him, you can rest assured that that's going to be taken away. And I, it's to me, all of this is temporal. I understand that there's nothing I can take with me. Um, and I talk about this all the time. What is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? Hey, you know what the bottom line is here, friends, is, is lose the world and gain your soul. That's what matters. And when you get in the presence of God, you're not going to care about that secondary stuff anyways. But if the Lord adds, adds it to you, awesome. If not, it's okay too, because he's all that you need. He really truly, I can truly and honestly say what I'm saying to you, Tim, right now is 100% the truth. I live this life. I know he is who he says he is. There's things that I seek to know that I haven't experienced with him. Uh, but I do know this. My faith was never, ever found in the wisdom of men's words. It's always been found 
in him answering, him showing me, him manifesting himself unto us. And the Bible's clear in 1 Corinthians 2, 5, that we're not to, uh, our faith does not stand in the wisdom of men's words, but in the power and in the demonstration of the Spirit of God. If it's not there, it's not the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. Now, we're coming up on the end of the show here. I don't know if you want to stay over. You're pretty lively this morning. And and, and I somebody says, Bradley's really loud in the morning, but he wasn't loud when we were getting ready. He was kind of, I think he had to get woke up there. Do what? I'm a drummer. Of course not. Can you hear me, Tim? Well, look, some people say, well, why do you, why is the message directed so much at the church. Shouldn't you be directing at Lost World? I can tell you, I can testify uh, that times I spent with Bradley, he is taking the gospel to the world. He's tracking them wherever he goes. Um, so he is he is leaving the gospel there with them. So I, that, that happens. But I know some people go, why are you always on the church? Well, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you why, and then I'll let you speak to this, Bradley. And again, if you want to, if you want to hang over, we got about three minutes here. So if you want to hang over, we'll hang over for a little bit. But the Bible tells us this for the time has come. And this is back in even Peter's day. The time has come that judgment must begin where with the world. No, with the house of God. If it first began at us, what's the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God. And and therein, you know, Paul or Peter uses similar words to, to Paul in Thessalonians when he talks about those who don't obey the gospel. And I hear constantly people saying, oh, you just have to have faith. And you do have to have faith. And I'm not denying that. But they don't talk about obeying the gospel. And, you know, when you go into Matthew 28, 18 through 20, what you find there is that we're not make converts. That's what Pharisees do. The Pharisees travel, you know, all over the place to make a convert and they make them twice son of hell. Ours is to make what you said earlier, disciples, and leave the conversion up to the the Spirit of God to do that. He moves as he will, as Jesus said, he's like the wind. He moves. You can't see the wind, but you can see its effects. And so we trust God to do that as as we're honoring God by discipling them and teaching them to obey all that God has commanded. So what's the what's the focus here from your perspective? Is it I, I'm assuming you're agree I'm I'm pretty sure we're in agreement on this, but this is why we address the church the way we do. Why why wouldn't we address the yeah. church? That's that's our responsibility. Why why aren't other people correcting the church? Because they've never been corrected themselves, and yet the inspiration of God has given us what? Doctrine. Right? The Word of God is inspired by the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16. For what? Reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. The church is called to be the moral compass of society. When that goes, everything else goes. Real leaders that follow the Christ, who is the leader, the great prophet, he's the one that leads the way. How much time did Jesus send his apostles and prophets to correct the church? Look at the book of Corinthians. I think of uh, uh, Paul talking about uh, 1 Corinthians 3, talking about how they're carnal men. Look at the sins that they were still responsible for. And then when I think of, uh, you know, is uh, if um, D.L. Moody rightly said, this just comes to my aid right now, the great Chicago preacher, he said, if the Bible doesn't teach you to die to yourself, it teaches absolutely nothing. That's exactly right. And you can put that up against Galatians 2.20. See, these people that aren't correcting the church don't care about the church. And yet it's the church in America that's called to be the light of the world. That is no longer the light of the world, but the advocates of darkness. 
Why are professed Christians in this country not taking responsibility and cleaning their own house first? That's the question. I agree. Yeah. Brad, Bradley, let me close out and then I'll let you finish your thought there. Guys, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central on sonsoflibertymedia.com, right side of the page later today. And uh, Lord willing, we'll talk to you at 6 a.m. in the morning. See ya. All right, if you're, and you can tell I'm on uh, this computer that hasn't been updated, and a lot of this software, it doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't set itself like the old computer did, so it starts doing all kinds of weird stuff. Anyway, um, so let me let you finish your thought before you forget that, because we had to shut off the uh, the radio there, Bradley. Well, it just, it, it irritates me. It's like, why, you know, just like uh, somebody said earlier, and it didn't bother me that someone said that here, but I, I get people on the radio shows, why is he so angry? Why, why is he, he so indignant? Well, if you look at 2 Corinthians 7.10, there's a worldly repentance and there's a godly repentance. What does that godly repentance bring about? Indignation. Towards what? That which put the Christ on the cross, of which I am guilty of. Wasn't it John the Baptist that said that we're supposed to lay the axe to the root of the tree, our old life, and we are to bring forth fruits of repentance in Luke 3? Absolutely. Let me ask you another question to those that are asking the question. Uh, Have you laid it to heart, the afflictions of Joseph, the church? Uh, Are you valiant for the truth concerning the word of God? If not, Put the question to yourself. Don't say, why is Bradley so angry? The question is, is why aren't you angry about what's going on in this country? Look at the apostles and the prophets, which, by the way, when you look in, look in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, concerning the Lord who has not changed, Hebrews 13, 8, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. First the apostle, then the prophet, and then the teacher. Do the apostles and the prophet in the New Testament leave the Old Testament uh, prophets? Absolutely not. Scripture's based on that. Read Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. Why have we left that? We're the apostles. We're the prophets. We're the teachers that work together with those three to establish what it is that we have here today. Another question, and my final question, what did Jesus do in Matthew 23? Look at how much time he spent rebuking the religious hypocrites. He warned of the religious hypocrites continuously. Look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at the time that the Lord spent warning the people over and over and over again. Look at the Old Testament, Jeremiah 23. Look at Ezekiel 13. Look look at the earmarks of a real prophetic ministry. What are they? They're black and they're white. And guess what? We as the body of Christ, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and or pastors are to hold to that same doctrine because that's what the church and the truth of God and the living God is built upon. Another question, and the one that I proposed a moment ago, Tim, is why aren't you mad? Why aren't you angry about it? Because if you're truly born of the Spirit of God, you are jealous of those that call themselves what they are not and those that are. And if you see those that are truly born of the Spirit, you're going to see them take upon themselves as they grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, 
Savior Jesus Christ. They're going to take responsibility in correcting what they call the church in America. And I'm here to tell you firsthand, after speaking over 2,500 times publicly, what the professed church claims to be concerning the Word of God, they're foreign to each other like politicians are foreign to the U.S. Constitution. Mm, amen. Amen. You know, there's this, this leads us back to something, too. You know, a lot of people gave us a lot of grief. Uh, calling out Donald Trump during the the years he was in office, and even now, and they said, "Why are you why are you not on Biden as much?" Well, we we are on Biden too, but but the fact of the matter is, those who say they're on our side, so to speak, they they don't have any problem seeing it with him because they've been trained to see that this this right left thing that, that that's what they've been trained to do. But one of the things it it struck me while you were talking there is how they were saying, "Oh, we were much better under Trump," and this that, and the other. But, but when you look at it, they're appealing to the fleshly things. They're not appealing to uh, what God says are blessings. For instance, um, and I, I often make mention of this, whenever you get a politician that, that starts talking, well, we've got to fix the economy first, instead of we've got to have justice and we've got to reestablish the law um, so that, that people understand that, that's the biblical start. If you're pitching jobs and economy and all that, that's a Marxist start. And so they say, well, we've, we've never had money like we've had. We, we've never had a job like we have. We've not been blessed with that. Um, I wrote down another thing, and I can't even read what I wrote. Uh, but I was making some points there. Oh, the military. He was taking care of the military. Eh, well, maybe, maybe not. But the fact of the matter is, Bradley, all of these things are sort of fleshly appeals to God's blessing. And, you know, what does the Bible tell us? Don't trust in chariots or princes, right? We trust in the name of the Lord our God. It doesn't tell us to trust in money. I mean, we're going to leave that behind, too. It's, it's, in fact, when the Bible usually speaks about it, it speaks about filthy lucre. Now, that doesn't mean that if you have money, uh, you can thank God for that. He's blessed you with that. If you don't have money, you can thank God for that, too. He's blessed you in that, in that scenario as well. But it's oftentimes that people are equating. You were talking about they want the hand of God, but not the heart of God. This is where I think this whole health and wealth kind of gospel goes to, is to say, if you've got stuff, then you're blessed of God. And the Bible rebukes that and says, you don't call godliness gain or gain godliness. Yeah. Well, you know, the Bible says those that preach gain is godliness from such withdraw. Get away from them. Nobody rebuked against covetous more than Christ himself did. I um, mean, he's also the one, my big brother is, who's alive forevermore, that sitteth at the right hand of my father, uh, who's also the one that uh, told us that we are uh, to beware of gaining the whole world and yet losing our own soul. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Riches aren't the problem. It's the love of money that's the problem. That's right. Um, and that's where people miss it. They think that the money is the root of all evil. No, it is not. It's the love of money. Hey, listen, money follows the call if it's a real one. And, and what is that money for? Well, just the same thing as Christianity. Christianity is not here to be served. It's here to serve. And that's exactly what we're called to do. And again, people forget that. It's not about us. But that's the gospel, that's the false gospel message today is God has a wonderful plan for your life, 
right? And if you give us your money, give me, give me, give me, my name is Jimmy, then this is what you're going to get in return, not knowing that the preacher up there is a hireling, John 10, 12, and he needs to be removed quickly because he's not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's he's preaching gain is godliness. And again, as I said at the beginning of this, the Bible tells us to get away from such people. Tim, um, it, there's so many different facets to this when, when we when we have these conversations. But again, I think even going back to the, um, you know, I, I think of an analogy that was given in a book called uh, Sowing and Reaping by D.L. Moody, where a guy went by another guy's mansion and he looked at him and looked at the mansion and he said, boy, I wonder what that cost or cost him. And the other man in his spiritual wisdom looked at him and said his soul. You know, some people are so poor in this world, Tim, that's all they have is money. Um, yep. And that's that's a false identity. As a matter of fact, Scripture even warns us of it. You said something earlier during the show, the American dream. The American dream is false. It, it counters Scripture every step of the way. And when you go to Scripture, you can you can even go back to Luke 12, where it talks about the, the, the man that had all these goods, and he tore down his barns, and he rebuilt them. And then he was going to sit back and take his ease. That's the American dream, right? Well, the Lord told him, thou fool, the Lord has required your soul this night. Um, and so there's so many different variables to this conversation. But again, I think just going back uh, to what you were originally saying, Tim, I, I think that it, when the Lord has our heart, everything else is going to be right. And the Bible says that we're kings and priests in his sight. And it also tells us in the book of Proverbs that our heart, the king's heart is in his hand and he will turn it whithersoever he will. Will you always know who's directing that heart by who's driving the heart? Yep, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think this is why uh, he says over and over, somebody made the the comment, you know, and, and it gets said sort of a nonchalant nowadays. I remember we went down to, me and a friend were going to go down and we were going to ask uh, Ted Cruz, who was running for president in 2016, un- illegally. He's he's not a natural-born citizen. We want to ask him about that. We want to ask him, where's your documents uh, to be a citizen of the U.S.? Because uh, he, yeah. he was made a citizen by an act of Congress, not by natural, because he was born in Canada. And so yeah. we went down there, and it was just, it was weird. I mean, the guy from Duck Dynasty was down there, and he was great. What he had to say was great. And then Ted Cruz got up, and he said something, and it was like the room... Honestly, it was it was dead. I'm not talking about that people weren't excited to be there. You could just sense in the room, it yeah. was just dead. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, everybody starts quoting Chronicles. And I'm sitting there looking at my friend going, what is going on? There's no heart in this at all. It's robotic, or it seemed very robotic. And yeah. yet, in that passage, God calls on his people to repent, to seek his face, to turn from their wicked ways. Not the world, not those who are outside the covenant. He's talking about those who are who are called by his name to repent, to to forsake their wickedness and things. And you know, over and over again, you know, I think literally every day when you're talking about dying to yourself, that is a, a daily repentance of turning from the things that you shouldn't be involved in in the first place that are a violation of God's law. That's right. Paul said I die daily. Yep. 
Uh, there was a morning sacrifice and there's an afternoon, uh, a night sacrifice concerning the lamb, which is symbolic of what? It's symbolic and it's a type of us dying to ourselves and living unto Christ. What does Galatians 2.20 say? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live in by the faith of the Son of God. So it's not me that lives, but it's Christ that liveth in me. That's what people aren't seeing today because they have not been crucified. Tim, I want to go back. Can I see you on the screen really quick? Because I want to ask you a question, if you don't mind. And I think it's going to be a question that's going to be brought to the people. Most people, when you talk to the average Christian, you ask them what sin is, they can't even tell you. They tell you it's missing the mark. I remember I was in the church for a year and a half. And I remember I, I never heard the word repent, didn't have a clue as to, well, what is I supposed to repent for? But at home, the Lord is breaking me down to yep. become nothing to show me who he was. Psalm 51, verse 17. Um, they can't even tell you what they're supposed to repent from. Well, when you read God's moral law, Exodus 20, you broke every single one of those That's laws. Right. That's why you repent. That's why you go to Christ. And it shows you again, Acts 20, verse 21, that it's repentance towards God, not towards your priest, not towards your brother. That's second, Luke 17, 4. That's secondly, but we repent before God. And until that's established by the Holy Ghost, it's a false conversion. And George Whitfield called them mushroom converts okay. that need to be converted again. Yeah, you know, you were mentioning um, Spurgeon a little while ago, and I remember reading a story from Spurgeon. He said he would have somebody come in uh, to his office, or they would catch him after a message or something like this, and they would say, I, you know, I want to I, I wanna be a Christian. And he yeah. would say, okay, come back tomorrow. Because he wasn't interested in making them feel good you know, about a false conversion. What he wanted to do was he wanted to see if the Spirit of God is dealing with those people, he's going to convert them. He's, Spurgeon can't stand in the way of that conversion. He's going to convert them. Nope. But what he wanted to do was he wanted to make sure that person understood that it was genuine and it was real. And if it's going on the next day, it's genuine and it's real. It's driving you to Christ. That's the whole point. Now, you made mention of sin. Now, I, I do know that when you go and look at the term, there is the term missing the mark. But if let's take that let's take that definition and just put it into into John first John this is first John three four whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law for sin is transgression of the law so here's the thing okay fine you want to say a person wants to say it's missing the mark yeah well what is missing the mark it is transgressing the law of God that's what it is. Most people will use that, though, Bradley, and they'll say, well, we missed the mark because we were really aiming for the sinner. No, sinners don't do that. They're not aiming for squat except for, for fulfilling the flesh. That's what, that's what their aim is. They're not aimed at glorifying God. And so if they're not aimed at glorifying God, they're not even, I mean, they're not even at the archery range. <laughs> I don't know how to put it any more simple. And I keep keep it just like that, Tim. Oh. I, I like it when I can see you. Okay, but everybody's seeing me and not you. That's the problem. <laughs> I, I, what I want people to understand is, okay, so sin is the transgression of God's law. Let's take it to the next step. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Yeah, that's right. What law? Yeah, God's it, law. What law? Not man's law. God's law. That's right. Until we bring in God's law, by the way, the commandment is a lamp, the law is light, and reproofs of instructions are the way of life. 
Most people don't understand a thing that I just said, yep. but we just gave you the order. First John 3, 4, Romans 3, 20. That should bring you right to uh, Exodus 20. And keep in mind, Jesus said in Galatians 3, 24, wherefore the law is the schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So what is it that brought you to the Christ? Because it wasn't the false gospel, it was the law of God that you repented before concerning his government. And if it wasn't that, then what did the Holy Ghost use to convict of sin to break you down? Yep. And people, people again, are lost at that point. But, again, we just spelled it out for you line upon line right there for you, friends. Yep, yep. Uh, Bethany says you just want to see my beard. That's all it is. Yep. It's always missing from the conversation. I cannot tell you... (laughs) Outside of Ray Comfort, of going into a service where I heard the preacher preach the Word of God in full counsel. Hmm. Or that will do some unscriptural altar call. Yep. Uh, then you see these altar athletes, they're up there every week crying just because everybody else is crying because they got the goosebumps. But there's no transformation. Yeah, right. There's no conversion. And the week later, they're doing it again. I mean, that's like being married to a wife that cheats on you all the time. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, you cheat on her all the time. And you go back and say, I'm sorry, it'll never happen again. The next week, you did it again and again and again. That's that's a scary place to be. And there's a lot of people that are in that position. Yep. And they don't realize that they are appointed to stand before their judge on that final day. And that's important to bring into the equation as well. That listen, I want to. Do we deserve hell, by the way, Tim? Yes. Yep. We fully deserve hell. I deserve hell. But the good news is that because of his mercy and his grace, he's decided to save me from my sins. And I want to make clear, too, that people understand I don't do what I do to get saved. I do what I do because I'm That's right. saved. Yep. That's what he said. I didn't say that, right? But it was Martin Luther, Tim, that said, the man that's ready for judgment, and I can feel this right now, is the one that longs to be freed from sin. Yep. Not to use the grace of God to indulge in their sin in a false grace. Yep, I totally agree. And I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put this camera back on you in a minute, uh, okay, but because cool. you missed you missed the comment that Bethany had. You just want to see my beard. That's what it is. It is. And 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 by the way, Bradley wants me to shave it off. I <laughs> I told him no. Not right now. Not right now. In any case, in any case, though, here's here's something, though, that is about what, you know, something you've recently talked on. And that is about Billy Graham and such. And, you know, Billy Graham kind of hit the road running with his tent thing. I, I could tell you the story of my father. My father loves to preach. I mean, he he retired. I don't know how many 20 years ago or something now, I think. And he says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work in the communion or do some supply preaching and stuff like this. And and I'm going to work in my wood shop. Well, he's hardly worked in the wood shop. Uh, he has uh, pastored a couple of churches since then. <laughs> he, he, you can't you can't stop a man who's got the call on his life. And he should know better than that. And I told him, I said, Dad, I said, you're getting you're getting near the, nearer the end of your life. I said, don't walk out to the finish line. I said, sprint, man. I mean, you know, don't 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 get to the to the end and then say, oh, I'll just take it easy from here. You know, sprint it out. And I think he's he's seen that, that he can't do it because he's driven to do what he's driven to do. And um, so one of the things that uh, that I was thinking here, 
is when you brought up Billy Graham, you know, he hit, he was like a, a shooting star. He was preaching the hellfire brimstone stuff. And I'm not, look, the Bible speaks about hellfire and brimstone. It does. But the message, again, is to call people away from that. And one of the things that gets me, Bradley, is he would always use this, this little phrase. You're going to go out into a Christless eternity. Now, I know of no such eternity. Because whether you go into heaven, God is there. And whether you make your bed in hell, God is there. In fact, the, the contrast of the God that you face, of, of his attributes in either place, is... Night and day. In heaven, you're going to receive the abundance of His grace, as you said a minute ago. He's going to remove you not only from the power of sin, but from the presence of sin. And in hell, who are you? Who who do you think's doing? Who do you think stoked all the fire, the the wrath that's down there? Well, that's God's wrath. It's not the devil's stoking things. He's not there yet. But but yeah. but people miss that, and they think somehow you know there was the old song by ACDC of. You know, I'm on the highway to hell. It's going to be a party time. All my friends are going to be there. Well, your friends are going to be there. It ain't going to be a party. It's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth is what the Bible says. So That's right. So what do you make out of that kind of a doctrine where people are subtly told, you're going to go somewhere where God is not. And there is no such place that exists. And to me, that is just another example of the false teaching that came out. You know, he was one who did the, uh, what did you call him? alter athletes or something, he was the one saying, and won't you come? And won't you come? And that meant walk down to the front and pray a prayer. But the Bible knows nothing of that. The Bible knows that people are pricked to their heart. They're they're made alive in Christ. It is a work of God in them. And as a result of that, they are those who do good works. It's the, the good works are the result, not to get God's favor. They're the result that God has put his favor upon you, Ephesians 2.10. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, Willie Graham, uh, they're gross. Um, it's amazing how much the world loves their own. Uh, and Billy Graham to receive a star in Hollywood by a bunch of witches and warlocks and pedophiles and sodomites and from the filth of the world, I think that's pretty telling right there. And the Bible tells us that the world will love its own. Billy Graham was and is of the world. So is Franklin Graham. Uh, so is the grandson that's going around preaching at false gospel, just like Franklin Graham, just like that of Billy Graham. What did they do? They really uh, created an impotent church is... Uh, what they've done. And the American people, if they would have stayed to the Christ, they would have seen the the heresies, which were very subtle with Billy. Franklin's more obvious than Billy was, but his grandson up and coming now is following in close pursuit. And what are they? They're nothing but a bunch of men that are appointed to what? Make sure that the sheep stay in line. Billy, how many administrations was he a part of? Did the country uh, have the opportunity to see Billy Graham confront presidents for advocating what God condemns? Absolutely not. But you'd always get the high five from Billy Graham concerning every president, even Barack Obama. Uh, And Franklin Graham's doing the same thing with Donald Trump. He's doing the same thing with Joe Biden. His grandson's doing the same thing. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Kings 1333 warns us of such men. Period. And let me say this, Luke 6.36 tells us, 
Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fault, uh, their fathers of the false prophets. Enough said. Okay, I can spend an hour on the likes of the Grams. He was an ecumenical preacher. They were bringing about a global order, and it's exactly what Franklin's doing, and it's exactly what that of uh, the grandson is now doing. Beware of the grams, period. Go to the word, and you'll see the crooked stick. The word of God is the straight one, period. Going on to hell, it's interesting because what drove me to Christ wasn't the fear of hell. It was the fear of God, a loving God that showed me that it was his heart to send his son to the cross, and it was twofold, because when I look at the cross, I see as to how much God hates sin, and I see as to how much God loves the sinner, to actually take his son and to put him up on a cross as an innocent lamb of God, to bleed for my sin, to cover my sin, to reconcile me back unto him. That's why I serve God. Hell is the place where people go that refuse that merciful, loving, angry God. And I'm talking about towards sin. But we need to keep that in perspective. God did what he did to show the world how much he loved us, not how much he hated us, period. And he did it on his own account, and it cost him. It didn't cost us. Put that into perspective, please. And when we see today... You know, when when people try to separate, like you're talking about again, Billy Graham, a Christless eternity. No, Jesus warned of it 54 times in the Old and in the New Testament. Just for the record, why was he warning of it? Because he was showing us the consequence of rejecting that God, his Father, my Father. And how people like to get to the point, because I've heard it too. I've even seen church people, Tim, where they'll say, well, you know, I'm not going to say it. Well, wait a second. Jesus said hell 54 times. Why are you afraid to say it? And it shows you how biblically illiterate they are. There is a real place called hell. Why? Because my father told me it to be so, and it's true. He's not a man that he should lie. And then we hear also the conversations of, well, you know, the sin is apart from the sinner somehow, and it's the sin that goes to hell rather than the sinner. No, 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 no. The sin is committed by the one that chooses to commit the act. That's why we call him a sinner. And if he refuses Christ and he goes on in his sin, as Jesus said, those that continue in their sin are going to die in their sin. And if they refuse to repent and receive that gift of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ, now John 3.16 has meaning, then they go to hell where they belong. Christ didn't reject them. They rejected Christ. Yeah, well, let's just take it into what we see every, well, what we used to see every day. If a person commits murder, they don't take this amorphous kind of murder and and go put it, they don't take it and hang it, they hang the person who committed the the, the deed. Can I say something, Sam? Go ahead. You, you You have someone, you have a Loretta making a comment right now. She said, when I saw myself on the brink of hell is when I cried out to God. I don't see that to be scriptural. I don't see that in any sense of the, can you please show me that Loretta? So you fear hell more than you fear God. And by the way, that's, I'm glad you brought this topic up because people need to get back to the word of God and understand that hellfire preaching is not biblical. 
Go to Luke 12, 4. We're to fear God, not hell. Again, hell is the consequence of the place concerning, it's the consequence, it's the place where people go that refuse God's mercy and his sacrifice concerning Jesus Christ. But again, when we see people, well, it was what I seen that I was on the brink of hell, that's when I cried out to God. I don't see that as being scriptural. Tim, I'll stand corrected, but show me otherwise. Yeah, no, I mean, I, here's the thing. I, I know when I was converted, it wasn't about hell so much as I was confronted with the holiness of God, and I you felt know. like Isaiah, you know, I, I couldn't put all those things into words as to what was going on, but I realized, boy, I am deserving to be just splatted right here, just ended right here, because yeah. I understood Boy, I was in the I was in the presence of a holy God, and I was sinful. I am like what what Isaiah says. I'm disintegrating. I'm coming apart, and yeah. so I did realize that. And you know, I and I can t- I can honestly say that as, even as a preacher's kid, I would go to the camps. I would I would listen to sermons. I would get scared of going to hell. I would walk the aisle. I would pray whatever they wanted me to pray. I mean, and I was sincere about it. I, I'll do whatever you want. I, I need to I need to sort this out. I, I was willing to do any of that. None of it ever changed my life until God confronted me Himself the way He did, and and it, it changed my life. And, and and I wasn't looking for it. That's the that's the interesting thing that I always find through Scripture. I was not looking for it when God goes in the garden after Adam and Eve has sinned. Are they going looking for God and say, "Hey, we messed up and we did what we weren't supposed to do"? And would you forgive us? No, they're going in hiding, and then they put the blame on God. Uh, they put the blame on his creatures. They, they put yep. the, everything else. And then when you see all through Scripture, it's God always going and seeking out sinners. And he's the one who's seeking them, and he's the one who is saving them. The sinners don't save themselves. This is, again, going back to the guy I played at the first. You listen to his message. He says, God doesn't give repentance. He doesn't give faith. Well, wait a minute. The Bible tells us that we are dead in our sins. Now, what do dead men do? Well, they stink and they rot. That's what they do. That's the only thing dead people do. I mean, drawing it over in the physical. And then God comes along and what does he do? God, who is rich in mercy, has quickened us. Ephesians 2, 4. He's quickened us. He's shown us mercy. And he's done so. Why? I mean, he goes on. He talks about faith. He talks about grace. All of that is the work of God. I have nothing. I can't mess. I can't muster up enough spiritual insight to to be a Christian, to to be converted, to have the new birth. I can't muster up enough faith because I don't have it apart from God giving it. I can't muster up mercy because that comes from God. That doesn't come from me. So I have nothing, zero. Even if whatever is good in me or whatever that is good that comes out of me, comes from God's Spirit. It doesn't come from me, because there ain't nothing good in me and of myself. But when God does the work in the person's life, there is change. There is a change of mind, and that eventually results in a change of actions. I mean, look, we're running a little long, but the the fact of the matter is, I want to get, I want you to give, keep with that message of hope here. Let's get ready and close out the show, but give the, the people another word of, of hope here uh, concerning the things that we're talking about. Well, Tim, here, here's the thing. I, I want to say a couple things to that. If you've been saved from your sins, what are you saved for? I, I can't answer that. Only the Spirit of God can answer that. 
And if you're truly led of the Spirit of God, Romans 8, 14, you got your hand on the plow. If you have truly been saved from your sins by the Holy Ghost, you are led to understand what you're saved for. And the fact of the matter is, if you don't, you're to seek it out. We're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. When you were talking about within yourself, Tim, it's true what you said. How do I know that? Because the Holy Ghost is bearing witness over here. So he well, it's the in the Word, too. Oh, my God. But you know what? It is in the Word, and that's what we're to hold to. Absolutely, first and foremost, regardless of feelings, regardless of witness, regardless of any of that, that's exactly right. But I am getting the witness, and I praise God for the witness. I can feel what you're telling me because it's exactly what I understand, too, Tim. It reminds me of Peter when the Lord told him to cast the net on the right side. He said, we've been fishing all night, Lord. We've cost, caught nothing. He said, but I'll, I'll take you at your word, and I'll go ahead and throw the net into the water. And when the Lord, when they pulled up and they had to get other people, there were so many fish that they had to get other people to help them pull all the fish onto the boat. Peter fell down at the feet. I can feel this, Tim. He fell down at the feet of Jesus because he understood the goodness of God. He understood he didn't deserve it, but the Lord showed it. That's the Spirit of God. It reminds me of the two little boys, one bad, one good. He wants to go out and break windows, the bad little boy does. And the little boy, the good little boy looks over at him and says, I don't want to break windows. And the bad little boy said, listen, no matter what you do, your dad's still going to be there and look out for the good of you. And the good little boy looked at the bad boy that wanted to break all the windows, and he said, that's why I don't want to break windows. It's the same thing here. Yep. Amen. It for me, what I knew I don't deserve, I still know I don't deserve it. But I can tell you in response to being empowered by that Holy Ghost, it does nothing but want to please him. I want to please God who is alive. He hasn't changed. How dare us suggest that we're going to change God's counsel and we're going to change his person. That's why we're in trouble. Here's the good news. He hasn't changed. We've changed. And if we want to know the God that hasn't changed, then let's change and get back on his terms. Because when I say that he is who he says he is, guys, here he really is. I I can tell you right now, and I know, Tim, you too, we have these conversations every once in a while. I love the Lord, man. I I, I love him. Um, I only can love him by the Holy Ghost, by the love of God that's been shed abroad in his heart. But I love him not with my lip service. I love him by what I do. And I want to see him do for my generation what he did for the past generations. And he promised that he would do that. And I'm not going to limit the Holy One of Israel. I'm going to look at when Jesus said, greater works will you do than I did because I go unto my Father. I'm going to prove him because he wants to be proven. He's the one that said, it's my good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. For those that are rejecting his good pleasure to give unto us the kingdom, we're rejecting hope because if he's still working today, is it for our own destruction in our own demise concerning his children? Absolutely not, man. 
But I'll tell you this, in the process, if I lose my life to make sure the next generation gains an opportunity to know what God has blessed us with, then so be it. It's not enough for us to stand back and watch everybody else pay the price for the freedoms that we have. And then one, it's our opportunity to do this, the same thing, to turn and capitulate. I, I don't want to be a part of that lot. I don't want to be a part of that pack because it's not the pack that the Lord blessed. The history of the church is God is willing to give the church what it's willing to fight for. And I look at where we're at right now, Tim, as we're in dark times. No question about it. We're in corrupt times. We're, we're at a time in our country where deception has probably never been greater. But I believe the Lord. I believe that he'll do the same thing for our generation that he did for theirs. I don't care if it's just one person like it was Gideon. I don't care if I stand here all alone. And by the way, I feel this all the time, all day long. And I know you too, Tim. And I know many of you out there that are in this fight, you get inundated with hopelessness. But I'll tell you what. If I feed the dog of feeding on the bread of life, me, more than I feed the dog of the world, I'll tell you what, the dog, me, that's feeding on the bread of life is going to overcome the spirit of the world. And that's, that's right. exactly why I have hope, because I'm always feeding on him, and he offers nothing but hope. But as I always say, we got to do all that we can do and leave the results up to God. And what is it? Responding to the truth that's been given unto us is the hope in seeing God move his hand on our behalf. So with me, there's not hopelessness, there's opportunity. And the opportunity, again, and I'll finish with this, is to see what he did for the God of Moses, for the God of Samson, for the God of Gideon, for the God of David. I, I want to know the God of David. I want to know the God of Moses. I want to know the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I can go through all the patriarchs and all the disciples but the fact of the matter is I want to know the God of our Lord Jesus Christ because he promised he would do so. Call unto me and I will answer and I will show you great and mighty things in which you know not. Folks, he is who he says he is. I believe it. Why? Because he said it. And guess what the end result is? That settles it. Amen. 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 You know, you were making mention one thing and I'll, I'll close out with this. You were saying that God wants to be proven. And I use the term, you know, Help us to glorify you, Lord. And some people go, what does that mean? Well, that's what that means. To glorify, to add weight to who God is, who he says he is, by proving him to be the God he says he is. And so time and time again, when I speak with, you know, when we have Lynn on on Wednesdays, and we talk about education, I constantly hit that, you know, Beat that drum of Deuteronomy 6. This is, this is parents' responsibility. This is what we're to do. Why are we to do it? Because God said to do it, and it was so that our children don't forget. And uh, our pastor was hitting on this yesterday in the midst of the message uh, that you know God was going to bring them into a land. He was going to give them vineyards they didn't plant, houses they didn't build, all this stuff. And he, he just he pulled, the, he pulled it out, and he said, look at what God did. And it was to show them they had nothing to do with what God was gifting them. They had nothing except to trust him. That was it. Do what he said, and he was going to bless them immensely with all of the things that their, that the, that their enemies left behind. Yep. And, uh, and, 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 the, and by doing that, what did they do? They glorified him. They proved him to be the God he said he was. And, you know, the time where 
they went and, and they sent in the, the, the spies just before that. They sent in the spies. Did, did they glorify God? Nope. Ten of them come back and say, there's giants. And yeah. we can't beat giants, you know? I mean, it isn't like we haven't seen our God wipe out the entire Egyptian army, <laughs> and we're scared of a few giants, and then you have Joshua and Caleb come on like, man, they're a piece of cake, man. God has said he's going to give us the land. Don't listen. Don't listen to this. Don't be faithless. Be faithful. And the people wouldn't do it, and what happened? Well, they died off in the wilderness, and their kids got to go in. So I, I think there's something to, to really be said for that, that we've got to, we've got to prove him. And, and what you're saying there is the desire to see him be the God that he says he is. Not, I'm speaking as a man here, but to be, to be God to this generation that he was to the past ones and to show himself strong on our behalf. Bradley, we're going to close out the show. you got one final word you want to pitch in? I was going to say, Tim, to that again, and, and I'm not in a rush. If you want to stay on for another hour, I'm good, just so you know. I got but, I got to get stuff started, though. <laughs> I understand. Um, I do want to say he does want to prove us, and how do we know that he wants to prove us? You are talking about God being glorified. Well, how is he glorified? He's glorified through the cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross That's and right. follow me. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Stay the course. Stay in. By the way, friends, listen carefully. The life is in the war, not outside of it. It's very surreal to people that are on the outside, like a bunch of uh, individuals sitting on a, uh, a bleacher, routing on the team, telling them what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. No, get out on the field. And I'm just giving that to you metaphorically, period, okay? I'm just giving it to you metaphorically. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, get on the field. And the proof that we have hope is that we're willing to fight. And it shows you that if that's our desire and that's what we're being led to do, it shows you that God is wanting to reveal himself once again to this generation that he might be glorified. But the fact of the matter is there's too many people that tuck tail when the fight comes. And I see that all the time, too. But the fact of the matter is we're not the type to turn and run by the grace of God. We're the ones running into the fight, and we run into the fight because we know that what the Lord did for Moses and Joshua, as you were just talking about, he's willing to do all the more for us. It's a righteous thing with the Lord to recompense tribulation unto those that trouble us. And by the way, in ending... Your enemies all the well know what we're telling you is the truth, because if it wasn't true, then why all the censorship, folks? That's another story, but why all the censorship? That's exactly right. Bradley, uh, I plugged you before the show ended. Do you, do you want to tell people where they can find out uh, your show, where they can catch that? If they're listening the first time, maybe they've heard you and, or they're hearing you, and they say, hey, where can I get some more of this guy and what he's saying? Tell them where they can, where they can find out what times and all, all that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Six days a week, um, as many of you already know, uh, two to three Central Standard Time, sonsoflibertyradio.com, sonsoflibertyradio.com. Tim obviously does the morning show here. I do the afternoon show. And then on Saturdays, we're on from two to four Central Standard Time. We're also broadcasting into about 104, 54 cities nationwide. We're also broadcasting into 20, or I'm sorry, 53 different countries as well. And folks, we are out there doing what we're doing because it's the commandment, not the suggestions of the Lord. And I cannot tell you after 23 years of ministry, now I'm not saying it's been easy, but I am saying this, I've never seen the Lord fail us one time. 
I've never seen him fail us down. Amen. So thank you for having me. Totally appreciate it. Let's do it uh, again uh, real quick here, Tim. I enjoyed this morning very much. Yeah, I did too. And and you were live. You were lively from the first this time. <laughs> so- well, eight o'clock because I knew I had to get up at four o'clock, Tim. <laughs> how much love i have for you in my heart then i don't know what's going to do it brother no you look i i i can testify to the fact that you and your family have shown us great love here in our family and nobody i don't nobody can deny that uh that's been in deeds not just with words and uh, we appreciate you very much and uh, guys again catch bradley 3 p.m eastern 2 p.m central sonsalibritymedia.com today so don't don't miss that okay and um we'll be back with you in the morning Don't know what we're going to talk about in the morning. We'll find out. 6 a.m., Lord willing. Till then, see you.